Hi, welcome back to another episode of the Adventist Voice Podcast. This is episode 3 of uh, season 2. And uh, thank you so much for joining me um, again. It's been a while. Uh, it's been two weeks since we last spoke and uh, talked about the Word of God. And uh, I'm back this week. And uh, first of all, I just want to thank um, our listeners, new listeners who have joined us. We have so many new listeners that are joining us. And it is because you are sharing this podcast, you are rating us on our Apple Podcasts, that uh, our voice is able to reach to the farthest ends of the world. We have listeners from China. Thank you so much if you are joining us from China. We have four listeners from Serbia. We have uh, a listener from South Africa. We have listeners from uh, the Republic of Russia. I don't know whether it's a republic or just a big, big country. Um, we have listeners from Bermuda. We have listeners um, from Jamaica are still joining us. We have uh, listeners from Poland right now. We have listeners from the UK. We have listeners um, um, from the United States. Thank you so much for being here. We have listeners from Kenya. Um, we have listeners from very, very, very many um, areas of the world. And I thank you so much. And may God uh, continue to keep you. Uh, today, I just wanted to talk about uh, something that I read and uh, I've been studying um, patriarchs and prophets. If you're not uh, an Adventist, then don't worry. Uh, you'll come to understand as we discuss this topic. But um, it is found in the book of, uh, in the book, uh, of um, Joshua, the book of Joshua chapter 7. And uh, we, are, we want to talk about a man called Ekan and the sin of Ekan. I don't know how you pronounce that name but I pronounce it as Ekan or Akan whatever you want to call it call him. And um, the sin of Ekan and uh, or the sin of Akan what's what is special about uh, this sin is that uh, the, 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 the spirit of prophecy calls it the often neglected sin of covetousness. The Ten Commandments discuss covetousness in um, the Tenth Commandment. It's the Tenth co- the tenth Commandment is warning about covetousness. Do not covet your neighbor's uh, property or your neighbor's wife or your neighbor's, you know, oxen or your na- anything or his household, vineyards or lands. But, you know, um, the spirit of prophecy says that this is one of the sins that is so overlooked in the church, especially in the church. And I think that it is also one of the sins that um, as believers we tend to overlook. You know, I don't think that you ever sit somewhere and say that today, God, I repent because I coveted my neighbor's uh, stuff. You know, and I think that uh, covetousness has been veiled in kind of, um, you know, buzzwords. Uh, it is this day is called ambition. It is this this day is called manifesting. It is this day is called by various names, which are meant to sugarcoat covetousness. But covetousness is the root of a lot of evil. It is the root of theft. It is the, it is the root of adultery. Because before you cov- you sleep with someone's wife, you already covet this person, and you always wish that they become yours before you make the move before you steal someone's property 
you always covet or you always wish to have it it is rooted also in selfishness and i just want us i just want to uh read um from patriarchs and prophets page 1498 paragraph 2 uh the prophet of the lord says that so long as they can conceal their transgressions from their fellow men many like akan feel secure and flatter themselves that god will not be strict to mark iniquity all too late their sins will find them out in the day when they shall not be purged with sacrifice or offering forever when the records of heaven shall be opened the judge will not in words declare to man his guilt but will cast one penetrating convicting glance and every deed every transaction of life will be vividly impressed upon the memory of the wrongdoer the person will not as in Joshua's day need to be hunted haunted out from tribe to family but his own lips will confess his shame the sins hidden from the knowledge of men will then be proclaimed to the whole world so this passage is talking about the concealed sins you know covetousness is not something that is um, manifested physically until it becomes too late um <clears throat> covetousness is really you know it is not talked about enough and when i read about this passage when i read about uh, this piece of scripture about the sins of akan and i reflected in my own life um and the you know the way that we treat sins you know this the the quote unquote small sins like lying uh like um you know we take the name of god in vain for example or we or we, we listen to you know music or um watch movies which take the name of the lord in vain you know the name of jesus for example is used so so frivolously you know carelessly you know and even included in the f word for example something that is not done to the name of buddha or to the name of you know muhammad <coughs> or uh, you know the name of other gods but i want us to talk about uh, covetousness today and i just want us to read from the scripture why this sin was punished so severely because you remember that as we are going to read you find that akan the sin of akan caused the people of god to be defeated at ai remember that uh, after the fall of jericho the next city in the path of on the path of the israelites was the small city of ai and you know the overconfidence that the people of god had before attacking ai it ended in defeat actually and uh, you know just shows so perplexed and he wondered why and so he went before the ark of the covenant of the lord and prostrated himself there asking himself questions before the lord you know aroused him aroused him and, and you know instructed him to go and quickly sanctify the children of israel so that the sin that one person had committed in the camp could be purged 
so let's go and let's go to um Joshua chapter 7 and uh, read and uh, I'm just going to read a few passages I'm not going to read the whole of it because it's so long and uh, from verse 1 it says but the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding their cast things for Achan the son of Carmi the son of Zabdi the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah took of their cast things so the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel Now Joshua sent from men Jericho to uh, sent men from Jericho to Ai which is beside Beth-Aven on the east side of Bethel and spoke to them saying go up and spy out the country so the men went up and spied out Ai and they returned to Joshua and said to him don't let all the people go up but let about 2 or 3000 men go up and attack Ai Do not weary all the people there for the people of Ai are few so about 3000 men went up there from the people but they fled before the men of Ai and the men of Ai struck down about 36 men for they chased them from before the gate as far as Shebarim and struck them down on the descent therefore the hearts of the people melted and became like water Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening he and the elders of Israel and they put dust on their heads and Joshua said Allah Lord God why have you brought these people over the Jordan at all to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us all that we had been content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan Jordan You know Joshua was, uh, when I read uh, chapter 7 verse uh, 7 I was perplexed because I never knew that Joshua was this kind of man you know Joshua was someone um, who had witnessed in fact is among the people who left Egypt and arrived safely in Canaan and he had witnessed all the marvelous things that the Lord had done before the children of Israel But you find that in this case he is lamenting before the Lord and asking the Lord why he had brought them to the other side of the Jordan at all if he had intended that the the Amorites should smite them and I think uh, and I reflected and I say that sometimes even us as believers sometimes when we are faced with trials and when we are faced with uh, you know fiery t- trials we tend to forget very quickly what the lord has done for us in the past and we start blaming god that god have done all these things uh you know i've paid tithe i've uh, kept the, the sabbath holy i've have maintained my integrity you know why is this cancer coming into my life at this at this stage you know why is this happening to me why is it only happening to my child why is my marriage you know now breaking up you know why is this why 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 we always have this um this uh spirit of grumbling uh but let's move on um i'll jump to verse 10 so the so the lord said to joshua get up why do you lie thus on your face israel has sinned and they have also transgressed my command covenant which i commanded them for they have taken for they have even taken some of their cast things and have both stolen and deceived and they have also put it among their own stuff 
So um, therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies because they have become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed from among you. Now, I just want us to reflect on, you know, probably you've heard about the sin of Achan, but you wonder why, you know, why was God so swift in judgment, you know, because it is it is Akan who sinned, I believe. It is Akan who sinned. So why was God punishing the whole of the Israel, the whole of the camp of Israel, and causing them so much defeat? Because 36 men lost their lives. And, uh, you know, when, when you think about it, that it is very true that we are living under the dispensation of grace. Because had it been in the present time, when if the judgment of God would have been so swift, somewhere in Psalms, um, Psalms I believe chapter 130, David says that the Lord does not repay us sin, the consequences of sin, or the wages of sin is death. And when we see this story of Achan, and when we see several other stories from the Bible, you know, you, you, get, you, you start to get the gist of the consequences of sin or the punishments, the kinds of punishment that sin attracts. And when you look at yourself, for example, and the things that you have done and continue to do, uh, we see clearly the grace of God and we see the mercy of God, which is uh, new each and every morning. And uh, I think that we need to thank God so much, you know, as a church, as a people for his character you know for his mercy for his grace because for example for myself uh, uh sometimes when i thank when, when i just reflect on the on the mercy of god on my life the things which i've done the sins which i've done and the fact that god you know still allows me to wake up each and every morning that I'm healthy, that, you know, on the average, I'm doing well, you know, even in other areas of my life. But, uh, you know, some people are not doing so well, despite the fact that, you know, they're not, let me say, quote-unquote, as sinful as I am. You know, Paul, uh, of all the people, Paul himself, when he talks about himself, he says that he thinks that he was the chief of sinners, and really when we um when we really um when, when, when we um when we audit ourselves and we audit our lives and um you know investigate how we stand before god we can contend with paul that paul is not the chief of sinners we are and uh, <coughs> in this story of Akan, you find that the sin of Akan, why was Akan punished? Because Akan, the, the sin of Akan led to his death. He was stoned by the children of Israel, and despite the fact that he confessed. So did, did not the confession work, you might ask yourself, why was he stoned and why was he um, put to death? even after 
he confessed and the spirit of prophecy says that I can sin that is page um page 493 of patriarchs and prophets chapter um paragraph 3 says that I can sin brought disaster upon the whole nation for one man's sin the displeasure of god will rest upon his church till the transgression is searched out and put away the influence most to be feared by the church is not that of open opposers or infidels and blasphemers but of inconsistent professors of christ these are the ones that keep back the blessing of god and bring weakness upon his people i hope you have heard that that you know it is not the people who are opening openly opposed to the truth no it is the people who are hiding among the flock but who are silently opposed to to the cause of the gospel who are the enemies of the church and who bring the most displeasure to the church it is the people who profess on the pulpit to be fighting the cause of the gospel and fighting the cause of evangelism but they have hidden sin in their hearts you know and confessed sin and uh, uh the paragraph says continue to say that when the church is in difficulty when coldness and spiritual declension exist giving occasion for the enemies of god to triumph then instead of folding their hands and lamenting their unhappy state let its members inquire if there is not an arcan in the camp with humiliation and searching of heart let each seek to discover the hidden sins that shut out god's presence arcan acknowledges his guilt but when it was too late for the confession to benefit himself He had seen the armies of Israel return from I defeated and disheartened yet he had not come forward and confessed his sin he had seen Joshua and the elders of Israel bowed to the earth in grief too great for words he had he then made confession he would have been given much he would have given some proof of true penitence but he still kept silence He had listened to the proclamation that a great crime had been committed and had even had its character definitely stated but his lips were sealed then came the solemn the solemn investigation how his soul thrilled with terror as he saw his tribe pointed out then his family and his household but still he uttered no confession until the finger of god was placed upon him then when his sin could no longer be concealed he admitted the truth how often are similar confessions made there is a vast difference between admitting facts after they have been proved and confessing sins known only to ourselves and to god akan would not have confessed and listen to this akan would not have confessed had it not hoped by so doing to avert the consequences of his crime but his confession only served to show to show that his punishment was just there was no genuine repentance for sin no contrition no change of purpose no abhorrence of evil a while back we talked about overcoming sin we have talked about overcoming sin in two episodes so far and we have said that um, you know repentance revolve involves change of direction it involves leaving the past you know um 
abandoning your past behaviors and embracing a new a new direction or going a new direction but you find that in the scenes in the in this in the case of Akan the spirit of the prophecy says that had this man not you know if 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 for example the the investigation had not been done he could not have come out to confess you know and he waited until until when he saw that you know he, 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 until when he saw that he was going to be pointed out like it at even at the last minute when his file mule was being pointed out when his tribe was being pointed out you know he could not come out to say that he had sinned against the lord you know and and i think that sometimes we all, we, we as christians it 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 find it, it it reaches to a point where uh you only confess with the hope of averting the consequence of your sin and sometimes i think that our confession is also not genuine paul talks about the repentance of esau and he says that even though esau sought repentance and he sought forgiveness with flowing tears he could not obtain it you know and it is because he sought it he sought it with the hope of gaining back the blessings of his father and not the true repentant and contrite heart and i think that sometimes even us as christians we always repent we always kneel down to confess our sins but we always confess our sins when we know that there are sure consequences for our sins and so our confession is merely a way to avert the consequences or hope to, there's always that fear of hell rather than the fear of god and the desire to restore a relationship with him after we confess after we, we we sin because of the fear of the consequence of sin for example that is when that is what compels us to repent and i and i pray that uh, you know first of all that we might be wary of the sin we, the, we might be wary of the sin of covetousness and that second that our repentance might come from a genuine heart from a certain contriteness that seeks to restore our relationship with God rather than about the consequences of sin and when you, when you we, when we come to repentance let it be true repentance not just repentance that you know we, we I, the, the thought of hell for example burning in in fire and um you know not being in the kingdom of God is one scary thing but i think the what is worse is living outside the love of god and i think that you know being in a relationship with god should be the motivation because for example when you when when you wrong your partner for example when you wrong your children when you wrong your boss sometimes you confess or you repent of your wrong doing because you want favors to start flowing from them again but i think that we ought to repent even from our neighbors because of relationship you want to restore the relationship that you had with them and not merely because you feel guilty or or you feel like if you don't repent you're going to be beaten or the marriage will end i think restoring the relationship is the most important thing and this is what i can failed 
in doing so lastly i'll just read that so confessions will be made by the guilty when they stand before the bar of god after every case has been decided for life or death the consequences to result to himself will draw from each an acknowledgement of sin it will be forced from the soul by an awful sense of condemnation and a fearful looking for of judgment but such confessions cannot save the sinner you know the spirit of prophecy is that it says that you know when you are confessing because of the fear of condemnation and a fearful look of judgment this is the kind of confession that cannot save the soul of the sinner and i pray that you and me may make true confession confessions in our lives that we may restore the relationship between us and Christ so um i'll just end there i hope that uh, you go back to the book of joshua chapter 7 and read it for yourself and may the holy spirit guide you as you read um thank you so much for joining me for this episode uh may you be blessed this week as the week begins uh may you continue to keep god fast and may your life uh produce fruit for Christ and for his glory uh, i'll continue praying i continue praying for the listeners the new listeners that join us uh, may you continue to share this podcast we are not perfect yet the audio quality may not be so perfect but um, we'll improve as time goes on share the gospel the little that you can do is to share and like on um, various platforms give us a rating so that others may see there's nothing that we do apart from sharing the gospel however in eloquent we are we are to preach the gospel um for the salvation of souls may your week be blessed and thank you so much bye